before I begin this morning, I'm just going to pray. I just feel as though the, this message that the Lord has for us this morning um, is going to be one that I'm, I'm, me grappling with it is, I, I don't want you to have to grapple with it. I want the Lord to be able to speak into your spirit this morning. So, Heavenly Father, we just ask this morning, and I ask this specifically, Lord, that you would just... Give me the words to say, Lord, that I would not speak on my own, and that, Lord, that I would not, that I would not uh, somehow mess this up with my own uh, futility, but, Lord, that you would open our hearts and our minds right now, God, that there would be this connection between your word and what you're trying to say to us today, and, God, that which would penetrate into our hearts this morning. I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. This morning, I want to... Kind of, remo- kind of move on a little bit. Remember last week was divorcing the devil. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to... Just, I don't normally like to do series, but I feel like I needed to... There was more to this that, that God wanted to say to us this morning. So, I, if you remember last week, we started with Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It said, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And remember, I talked about those words, this, this word strong, and, and what, how it's intensified, like dynamite, intensified strength that God wants to give us. Then the, and He said, in the, in the power of, which is... The dominion or the exerted power that God gives us to be strong in Him and in the power of His might, which is a force, an overcoming that immediate resistance. That God wants us to give us that kind of power. He's given us that kind of power in our lives to be overcomers. Literally, He's saying there, be intensely empowered by the Lord and in the dominion of His power and His ability to overcome immediate resistance of the enemy. Well, that's something right there. If you think about that, not doing it in your own power, but doing it in His there's something to that. Then it went on in six, in verse 11. It says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And we talked about the whole armor being that complete set of defensive and offensive weapons. That ye may be able is another word, another form of that dunamis. It's, a, it's I am powerful or empowered by God. Able to stand against the, the methods or the scheming or the craftiness or the organized evil doing of the enemy. Ephesians 6.12. Now, we're going into a new part here, so I got you kind of a little bit caught up. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against, but against principalities, and against powers, and against rulers of darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. I want us to understand that I thought it would be important that we go over a couple words here once again. This word wrestle means to wrestle about, struggle, to fight. And I think it's pretty interesting about this, is that God does not... This is close quarter combat. This isn't shooting them down. This isn't uh, drone strikes. This is, this is almost like a grappling that's going on he's talking about here. And he says we don't, we don't wrestle, we don't grapple or struggle or fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities. When he says principalities there, he's talking about magistrates, pre, that one that's preeminent or one ahead of the rest. And it means it's a plurality of rulers over a certain dimension. And then he says against powers, a weight or authority, an earthly power he's talking about there. And then he says of evil, which is this word means a wickedness, iniquity, pain-ridden evil. God has given us, so he's saying, listen, you don't wrestle against these things, but what I'm going to give you, and then he ends it with, with high places. That sphere and the word, the, the first part of that epi always increases or intensifies it. So he's saying in, in a higher dimension, in a higher place. 
Ephesians 6.13 says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Now when he's telling us, he keeps repeating this over and over again. He says, stand, stand. And, and I, I think in my life at times, I felt like, you know, I want to be the dragon slayer. I want to take the sword of the Spirit and we're, we're chopping off all... But you know what? He's telling us in this battle against the, 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 the enemy that, that's going to come against us, we are going to have to just stand. And when he says stand, he's saying, I want you to establish. It's something that is rooted it's something that, that it's like, like when, you, when, when somebody's battling for a mountain, you will hold that ground. That's what he's telling us. He's not telling us to go out and start slaying dragons. He said, listen, I want you in this spiritual battle to be able to stand. Because I'm going to tell you right now, all hell is going to come against you. If you come into my spirit, you walk where you're supposed to walk with me. You are going to have everything in this world is going to come against you. And that's when he says, that's when I want you to stand. Paul says it over and over and over again. He says, stand, stand, stand. He says there, he says, take unto you the whole armor of God. And then he says to, that you will be able to withstand. And I thought this word was very interesting. This word withstand means to take a stand against or oppose or resist. Taking a contrary position. James 4, 7 says, resist the devil... And he will flee from you. So it's, it, there's, there's, the, the scripture is confirming itself. He's saying, listen, I want you to be able to withstand what the enemy... Because there's coming a day when you're going to have to withstand what the enemy throws at you. And he said, listen, you take that contrary position, you stand, and then I want you to withstand it. Don't give in. He says then, and having done all... This word is very. This word in the Greek is very important because it doesn't mean it's made up of two words. Means down and work. He's saying literally, I want you to work down to the end point. So when he says this, having done all, working it all out, all the way out to the very bottom, that's when you're going to see to stand. So Ephesians here, he's giving us this, this armor and he's telling us, therefore, therefore stand, having your loins girded with truth and having a breastplate of righteousness. Now let me get my notes here because I lost them there for just a minute. I got carried away. Ephesians 6.14. He's saying the enemy wants to get you out of the protective covering of God. If he can lure you out of the covering, you are vulnerable to his attack. Anything the enemy does, he does only under permission from you and I. Sin gives, sin gives the enemy permission. Remember we talked about last week about those heavenly realms. This is, there is an order in the heavenly realms that God has established. But consent and cooperation from us unleashes the enemy's assault. Your, your might and your strength can't work over here in this place. He says, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might, not your might. His might. Stand firm. If it's dependent on what the Lord has done, see, there's power in that. See, it's not about a self-determination. It is not about a positive thinking. It's not about mind over matter as many preachers today talk about. It's about a strength that becomes from Him. His strength cannot be overcome. God has relocated you. In 1 Peter 2.9, He said, Out of darkness into His marvelous light. See, the wonderful thing is that God has given you a new location. He has reestablished you in the heavenlies. It said last week that He has seated us with Christ. The only power the enemy has, you have given Him. Ooh, that hurt. 
See, if the enemy is defeated, why am I not winning? If Satan has been rendered powerless, how come he is dictating my course of action? He wants to bring all hell against us. But that's why Paul says there, he says, put on the full armor of God. And it's very interesting to me, he uses these terms here, and I'd never seen this before until I really began to study. But the first three he says, having girded your loins, having on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet fitted. He's not telling you to pick these things up. This is something that we should wear all the time. God will not dress you. He will supply the armor, but you must put it on. Many of us have armor sitting in our closet, unused. We don't even know what it looks like anymore because it's so full of dust. Then he says to take up, the second part of this, he says, take up the shield of faith, take up the helmet of salvation, take up the sword of the Spirit. So he's giving us the first part. Listen, this part you wear with you. It is a protective vest upon you. That breastplate of righteousness. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in this world. I must operate in this new realm if I am to be able to battle against the enemy. Ephesians 6.14 Therefore, having your loins girded with truth and having a breastplate of righteousness. Now this word here, the same word we use over and over again, the same word is stand, which means to establish, to stand firm. But the belt of truth, the belt of truth is the truth of an idea, it's reality, it's sincerity, it's divine truth revealed to man. This part is where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. White lies are not found in God. The commandment said, thou shalt not lie, because there is no, there is no even wavering in God. What He does is right and righteous. He said in Isaiah, this is before Jesus even came along, 11.5, righteousness will be His belt, and faithfulness the sash around His waist. See, God already knew how He was going to dress His Son. See, the belt of truth upholds our spiritual pain so that we are not exposed and vulnerable to the enemy. People are looking for something real. Ron, have been, Ron and I have been talking about this for months now. People are looking for something real. You don't see it this, in this day and age. You're look, they're looking for, they want to see something that is real and genuine, spiritually speaking. They're tired of seeing all the people that say, I'm this and I'm that, but then, they, then, then all of a sudden they're doing something different. The people are looking for reality. They want truth. Everything with the, that the enemy does is bound in deception and lies. He is the, the, the Bible says he is the author of lies. He is the, the father of lies. And all these things, everything he does is always to manipulate. God's truth is always the absolute truth. It is a utility belt that we wear. It is so we have these tools at our disposal. It's like a gun belt. It's like an army ranger who puts on his gear. He has to have all these things around him. If you do not have truth, you will not have your sword. Your sword is is bound by truth. Truth holds all things up and holds all things together. Without truth, you cannot even carry your sword. And it has to be more than just a knowledge of truth. It's more than just memorizing Scripture. I know people that can memorize half the Bible, but they don't have an understanding of who God is. He's saying it's an embraced truth that keeps us secure. If you're not walking in truth, you are walking in deception. This breastplate of righteousness that he talks about in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. This righteousness that he's talking about here is a righteousness which God is the source of. Divine approval. Approved by God. A verdict of approval by Him. This is not a self-righteousness because it is foolish to even think that your self-righteousness is going to do anything. Jesus continually combated the Pharisees because their righteousness was built of self. 
This righteousness has got its birthplace in God. This, 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 this righteousness is two things. It's imputed to us, which means it's something that we are given freely by God without charge or effort. The second part is it is imparted to us. It is something that Christ works with us with our cooperation. It is an inner strength to live and conduct ourselves in a manner pleasing to God. God wants, this morning, I know a lot of churches, they start with this scripture right here. They love this. Therefore, in fact, I hear people say it all the time. Therefore, there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ. And they love that, and then they go out and do all the things that they want to do. But they forget just three verses later in verse 4, it says, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. See, there's no condemnation to those that are walking in the Spirit. Do you see what I'm saying? He's giving us the, pro- the proclamation. It's not just, oh, I can walk around, I'm not condemned anymore. Yes, you are if you're not walking in the Spirit. There is condemnation on you. That guilt you feel is real. We are saved by grace. Not works, of course, but the Bible is very, it's very clear. This, this righteousness is our bulletproof vest. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for out of, the, the, out of it are the issues of life. This breastplate protects our vital organs. It keeps us clean and pure and a pliable heart. A heart that is the center of our being. Enemy wants to condemn us. He will always attack the heart. 1 John 3.21 says, Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. This is righteousness from God. Not of works, not of self-righteousness. Self-righteousness will not protect you. We are always aware of our shortcomings. We feel unworthy. The enemy always wants to remind us of... But the thing is, is if we are under the covering, if we are protected by Christ, His shield is what keeps... This isn't a shield that we we fashion. It's It's a shield that's fashioned in heaven. We put on Christ. Now we are protected. If we are walking in a habitual sin, our guilty conscience will tell us to stop. We are going to fail. See, righteousness is not something we are. It is not something we do. Righteousness within us affects what we do, but what we do does not make us righteous. So what I'm trying to get is, there is a a spiritual... Here's the thing. Think about these men of the Bible. Daniel, Noah, and Job. They all failed. But God called them righteous in the Word of God. See, a righteous man will fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked stumble in the time of calamity. What he was trying to tell us is, there is something something distinct about these men. There was something about their hearts. Because other men sinned, but there was something different within them. There's something different. God wants us to understand that meeting a God-based standard is not the worldly standard. See, demons function in wrongness. They have wrong thinking. They come in with demonic imitation. There's a demonic flow that wants to stop the Spirit's flow. When we operate in righteousness, we give God legal right to who we are. When we operate in unrighteousness, we have opened the door to the enemy. Yeah, I'm a Christian. But he's talking about a battle here. He's talking about how you're going to be able to stand in this time when you, when you have all this coming against you. See, if you've invited his nature into your life, God's standard is always perfect. When he says, having this breastplate of righteousness, it is like a bulletproof vest that protects this heart. That he, and it's not, it's not this heart. It's not the physical heart. It's a spiritual heart. 
Let me say, you know, I'm going to say, I, 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 I was wrestling with this. And, and one of the things is this. Many of us think that when we got saved, we were just, it was all done. When we get saved, when we truly know who Christ is, when we, He comes into our life, we are only one-third saved. Why do you say that, Greg? One-third saved because the Spirit is the only thing that has been made alive at that point. Be quiet. Uh, I'm, and I'll ask you to leave if you don't. Okay? Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. What I'm saying is, the, the soul and the flesh still haven't caught up with the Spirit. That's why God could say, when, he's, when, he, when Jesus talks about this new life we have in Him, we're a new creation, what's been made new is the Spirit. Okay? If you guys can get this with me today, I'm telling you, this is, this is a principle. I have never seen it before. Uh, my brother Evans, uh, Tony Evans, he, I have a little video I was going to show, but I thought I'm going to try to explain this to you if I can. But what happens is this. The Spirit's made new immediately. But the, the, the soul and the flesh... Remember the Bible talks about this body, we're going to get a resurrected body. We're going to get a glorified body one day. Okay, so that's still in the future. He talks about sanctification. And sanctification is this Spirit now pushing over into the soul. The soul is your mind, will, and emotions, your conscience. Okay? Those things haven't changed. You know how I know that? Because you can see it in people's lives. You see people that say, oh, I'm, I'm a Christian. And all of a sudden, and, and they're doing all these crazy things. They're, they're angry. They're bitter. They have all this stuff that's just all over them. Why? It's because the Spirit's been made new, but they've never let it push over into that next area of the soul. And what happens is, is when we get so filled with the Spirit of God, there's like a, a relief valve at the bottom. And what happens is, is the Spirit of God continues to fill. Remember, that heart's just pumping. Pump, 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 pump. It keeps pushing. It keeps pushing. That's the Spirit of God continuing to, to try to cram us full of so much of the Spirit of God that when eventually what happens is, is when it pushes out or it bursts out over into the soul, all of a sudden that's when you see the change. Because our mind begins to change. Our will begins to change. Our emotions begin to change. See, it's not enough. Just somebody goes, well, my soul is saved. You know what? You're not. Your soul isn't saved. Your spirit's saved, but your soul is still over there wrestling around with all this stuff. And you know what? We have to allow the Spirit of God to push into that next area and begin to sanctify that soul. It's a process. He talked about, he says, sanctifying us through and through. That's what I'm talking about. Sanctifying us through and through. That's what He wants to do in our lives. Got off my notes there. Sorry. But if the blood stops, life stops. The heart must continue to pump. Think of this, think of this spiritual pump. It's, God always gives us a physical picture of a spiritual truth. The heart is a physical picture of a spiritual truth that the Spirit of God wants to... He, that's why He said protect it. That's why I put this breastplate of righteousness around it. Truth is belting me up. And this breastplate of righteousness protects this heart. Not the physical heart, but the spiritual spirit within me that God has birthed when He gave me new life. When I became a new creation in Him. 
But as that thing, as, as I continue to allow the Spirit of God to fill me over and over and more and more, then all of a sudden it begins to move over to... Because to, you see it in people, you're like, they just haven't seen... It doesn't seem to change their mind yet. You don't see their will change. You don't see their emotion Because they haven't allowed that soul to be so permeated with God. Where that sanctification is this process where it keeps moving us closer and closer to Christ. See, too many times the soul, the mind, will, and emotions is in the lead. The Spirit should be leading. That's why He said, walk by the Spirit. He gave us these fruits of the Spirit. He said, these things are the things that should lead our lives. But so many times, our mind, will, and emotions, our conscience, is what's leading us. It's what's taking us where we go. Some of you go, yeah, that's me. Something comes along in my mind and all of a sudden I just I swoop over to the other direction. We have to stay in tune with what the Spirit of God. And I'm going to tell you right now, it, it's not an easy process. I was sharing with somebody yesterday. Is it just, oh, all, all of a sudden I know and it's perfect. No, it's this kind of walking it out. God, is that you? Is, is that you? Uh, you're feeling your way along. Lord, is this you? What is it you have me for? And that's where faith arises within us. Because if all he did was say, okay, here's your path and just walk it. It's really easy. Where would even faith be a part of that? But faith is that part that says, okay, when I can't see what's going on, when I don't know what it looks like, it looks like disaster, I just keep walking where He wants me to walk. That's that faith being risen up in me. That's what He's talking about. See, the the breastplate of righteousness protects this life-giving flow. Truth is what God says matters. And I want to say this to you guys. Rehearsing the truth, not memorizing truth. Taking the truth over and over, meditating on it, practicing truth so that it penetrates the heart. Remember a couple weeks ago I said, what's the, what's the distance between heaven and hell? It's 18 inches from right here to right here. See, it's got to get deep within us. It can't be something we just memorize. It's got to be something that is, is, we rehearse it, we live it, we, we stay with it. Some of this stuff I'm talking about, some of it will just hit our body, some of it will hit our soul, but some of it is going to permeate into our spirit. Fear, doubt, and worry, my emotions are leading. The soul is reigning where I'm going. Don't just manage your badness. I said this, to, I was talking to somebody yesterday about this. See, we, we all have it. We all have it. Don't just manage your badness. I'm going to tell you right now, churches are full, pastors even, manage their badness. And what happens is, when we try to manage our badness physically, or through mind over matter, or whatever it is, it's eventually who we really are is going to pop out. And it's going to expose itself, and then all of a sudden, ooh, that's not who I wanted to be. That's not who I am. Yeah, it really is who you are. You've managed your badness... You know, there's times, I know, you'll come into a situation and all of a sudden the enemy will put that thought in your mind. An intrusive thought. You're like, why? What is this? We have to reject that and just, and just say, that's, that's that soul trying to work at it. He's trying to work at us again. But I, no, I'm led by the Spirit. I'm going to stay over in this place. Don't manage your badness. It's, it's that rehearsal of truth, continually meditating on the truth of God and say, okay, this is what, this is what it looks like. Not just memorization, but it's really deeply knowing who he is. I, 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 this managing the badness, I, I just like, wow, that, that was a big one to me. See 
that as I continue allowing the truth to dig at deceit, as I allow truth to begin to uproot those things in my life, as I allow truth to dig away and tear away with all those things, see, that's that truth that the Spirit of God will begin to remove all that stuff, all that junk. And as He backfills, this is what God always does. If I will remove garbage and I will ask Him, He will backfill whatever I just removed. And that backfilling of the Spirit of God, eventually, there's a word we, we had when, when something blows, it's called blevy. Eventually, the Spirit blevies over into the soul. And it, it, it begins to permeate that area. So then all of a sudden, my mind, will, and emotions begin to change. It's not just something I'm taught, but I've caught it. It's become part of me. I said earlier that God has relocated you. Your spirit has been made new. It's up to you this morning. Who are you going to follow? Your soul? Your body? Your body always seems to follow the soul. It likes to do that. As As a general rule, it wants to follow your mind, will, and emotions. But see, if we let the spirit of God be that leader, it changes the whole dimension of what we walk in. Does that look, is it perfection? No, but look, as you look at these men that God called righteous, Job, Noah, they weren't, they weren't perfect by no means. But there was this righteousness within them that God was saying, that's what I'm talking about. This morning as we close, there is a river where goodness flows. There is a fountain that drowns sorrow. There is an ocean Deeper than fear, the tide is rising, rising.
Hallelujah. As we go today, I just want to remind you of the box in the back, and I'm going to have uh, my brother pray for us this morning. Pray for Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time together in your presence. We thank you, Father God, for the word that was spoken into our hearts. We just pray and ask that your Holy Spirit would make that alive in us, God, that we would be able to work out our salvation in fear and trembling as your word says, God. I just pray that as we go forth this week, our hearts and our minds would be set on you, God, and that we would uh, just do your will in our lives. In Jesus' name.